Attention, everyone. This is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. And Konnichiwa's loyal listeners, you are listening to the 23rd episode of the Kaiju Cast, a monthly podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber suited foes. It is November, and for some reason, it is uh, super mega crazy cold out here in Oregon. But don't worry, I'm all warm and toasty here in the Kaiju Cast HQ. We've got uh, Mr. Martin Vavra sitting in with me this month. It's Martin, say hello. Hello there, everyone. And uh, he and I are going to be talking a little bit about stuff. I want to sort of give you guys a heads up uh, in case you don't see it on a Facebook post or anything. I am not going to be talking to the IDW publishing people this month. We're going to save that uh, for recording next month. Things just kind of got a little crazy. I'm still cataloging those questions, though, and we'll be asking some stuff. We're going to have some news, of course, to share. And this month's Daikaiju discussion movie is Gamera 2, Advent of Legion which we'll be talking about with a bunch of people in a little bit. Uh, for now, though, we're going to go ahead and start playing some music, starting with uh, Showdown Between the Three Large Monsters in Okinawa 1 by Masaru Sato from Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla, 
we're back. That was a sort of a request block there. We had um, a guy on Facebook request the first track from Godzilla X Megaguirus, which is called um, that is called Show nineteen sixty six Assault. Japan converts to clean energy, and because I love the actual title track from that movie too much, which is called Fateful Confrontation. I also played that. So that was for you, Jeff. Thanks for requesting it. Uh, that's also by Machiro Oshima, which is, uh, as I was saying to someone just the other day, that is pretty much the most memorable thing to come out for Godzilla music, in my opinion, since um, the 1995 Godzilla vs. Destroya. And uh, so now we're going to get started on the meat of the podcast. We got Martin here, and he and I are going to be just kind of shooting the breeze about uh, some Godzilla production stuff. I recently watched The Horseman by Dave Callahan, and we found out um, last month that Dave Callahan is going to be writing the Godzilla script for Legendary Pictures. So we can talk a little bit about that, and we can talk about, uh, you know, all sorts of cool stuff. Welcome to the KaijuCast again, Martin. Ah, I am very glad to be here. I I had a, a burning question that I wanted to discuss with, with Kyle, and and hopefully it'll have some interesting feedback for the rest of the kaiju folks. So Yeah. So uh, why don't you go ahead and fire away there? So I had had a thought, and this was spawned by discussions that we had had months ago on one of the other shows, which were what are some of the pinnacle things about a Godzilla movie that you liked. And I just, and it's all even part of the whole title of the show, the rubber suited foes. Yeah. And it, it's kind of come about from what I've read about other directors. And it's been really interesting. Like uh, a, a recent hero of mine is a movie director, Neil Blomkamp who did district nine. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's somebody that's really trying to stay very grounded in his filmmaking. Um, uh, another fan, and, and we've even talked about him, Guillermo del Toro, another person who uses C- CGI work, but also has a lot of actual characters and suits and other things. So I got to thinking about these directors and how they have actually physical characters and physical suits. And um, there's the motion capture stuff that we saw in Avatar, and we also saw it years before that, and which I can't believe it was 99 and, and 2000 with a uh, golem and and so the whole motion capture thing has you know uh has taken certain degrees of cgi animation to different levels because you're able to have these people performing it so the one thing that i had had as this thought is like all right what if godzilla was really in a suit who would be the most appropriate to do that and i just thought who who would not bring in the henson studios to do a godzilla suit and have a person in a Godzilla suit actually going through. And even if you green screen the cities or did any of that other stuff. So that was that, that was what came to mind. And I really wanted to know what other people thought was, you know, is that a ridiculous thought on my part? Yeah. I, I, when we sort of breezed through this last night, I, I don't think it's a ridiculous concept at all. I mean, if I think if anyone can do it um, with a suit and have it look decent and um, be able to integrate it smoothly with CGI, in any sort, it would most likely be the Henson studio because mm-hmm. specifically because they work on, um, where the wild things are. Exactly. Yeah. They did the, where the wild things are, which I, prior to our discussion about that, I had forgotten that Henson studios had done that. And I remembered that those were 
real suits with real people in them, and then they CGI'd the faces in there. Um, so that was a good point because that was a, a really great movie. I thought that was uh, a very well done set of characters. Yeah, and they've had a like you said last night. They have a long history of um, large, kind of bulky suits and being able to make them work and with puppeteers and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. That Dark Crystal back in the early '80s. I mean, they were they were pulling off stuff with uh, Landstriders and Gartham back then, and building these amazing sets. Yeah. that they were doing all of this stuff in, and, and even with Labyrinth, too, some really great stuff. And so if, if anybody out there has not seen The Dark Crystal or Labyrinth, which are two of the Henson Studios movies from, I believe, like the mid-'80s, I think. Yeah, probably somewhere in there, yeah. Um, they're really good to watch. Um, if you if you like fantasy at all, they're, they're great, great stories and uh, great effects in them. Specifically, Martin mentioned the Gartham. Um, those are basically... They're not Godzilla suits because they're not like foam rubber, but they're giant like beetle things, and they did a fantastic job on those. Yeah, and there was uh, um, Ludo. Ludo was that that great big hairy critter that they had in Labyrinth, and and that was a really neat character. So, uh... <laughs> yeah, I do a great Ludo yeah, impersonation. That was a good one. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, and I have to be honest. To this day, I still don't know how um, Big Bird is done. And Big Bird is this, uh, however tall that character is, nine, yeah, don't, eight, eight, nine. Do yourself a favor. Don't look it up on the internet because that will ruin Big Bird for <laughs> you forever. You'll be like, what? <laughs> He's not real? <laughs> I I kind of thought he was. But Chewbacca's still real, right? Don't Ch- shoot that Ch- one down dude, for me. <laughs> Chewbacca's totally real. Okay. Except that one that came out in Re- Revenge of the Sith. That wasn't the real Chewbacca. I don't know this movie. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, I think it, if if they were going to try and do that, if someone was going to try and do that and do a good job of it, I would say that Jim Henson would, would probably do a good job, or Jim Henson Company, excuse me, mm-hmm. would do a good job. Um, in in general, though, I, I feel that uh, as of late, I don't think that, the Japanese style of shooting these movies is really translating well to this digital world. Um, you know, there's been some exceptions. Um, I got an angry letter from a fan after we talked about this before, um, saying that, you know, how could I have missed King Kong when we were talking about giant monster movies of, of, uh, recent years. And he was pretty irate. Um, and that was, that was actually me. I I wrote myself a little letter and I said, dude, what is wrong with you? You forgot King Kong. I was listening to the show afterwards. I was like, I'm a dumbass. (laughs) Do you even watch movies? Why are you here? (laughs) What is my problem? Well, he didn't have a rubber suit. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're, you know, I talked about Cloverfield. I talked Uh about, uh, some, I don't even remember. I talked about a bunch of stuff, but the King Kong movie, you know, I hear a lot of people complain about that film and I I actually, I didn't really have a an issue with the film being bad. It's a good movie, in my opinion. As far as a giant monster movie goes, it's mm-hmm. one of the best that I've seen. Um, I enjoy the interaction between uh, the the actual New York City and the Cloverfield monster a little mm-hmm. bit better because it seems like there's, you know, it, everything just seemed a little more realistic. I think that might have been because it was set in present day mm-hmm. versus being set in the 50s or 30s, actually. No, that, sorry, not 50s, uh, the, the, like 1930s. Yeah, 
uh, and that took place in New York, right? Or Manhattan. Yeah, that was in Manhattan. Yeah. So, you know, maybe it was the fact that, you know, there were some elements that were real that they were able to match whereas in Cloverfield, whereas mm-hmm. King Kong, like, they were literally, I mean, parts of it were real, but for the most part, everything was CGI. Yeah. And you said that, you said, <laughs> I don't know what that sound was. We'll have to edit that out. Uh, you said that there was a motion capture used for King Kong, right? Yeah, motion capture was used. It was the same technique that they used for Gollum with the same guy. It was Andy Circus did nice. that as well in there. And that's and you know my my only real beef that I could say with the King Kong movie, the Peter Jackson version, is that it was a good movie and I thought it was very enjoyable. Um, it was too grandiose in moments the the giant brachiosaur stampede in the valley mm-hmm. uh the tumbling tyrannosaur with uh with king kong through the the all oh the, the vines the and vines the, and all the, that yeah. stuff after a while I, yeah it was just like it, because uh the the two people were falling along with them <laughs> it was it, it was just it was so grandiose and it wasn't that it wasn't beautiful or anything it just it was over the top it was it was absolutely a, just it, it went beyond astounding where it was like wow i'm actually <laughs> kind of getting too big it kind of went over the believable edge yeah. and like went into like that's just ridiculous yeah my suspenders yeah. of disbelief no longer <laughs> held my pants up <laughs> yeah that whole thing with the vines and the tyrannosaurus or actually that has a different name I don't oh, yeah? remember what it's called. Allosaur, maybe. No, no. Or it's. I think or... they made up a name for it. Oh yeah. Yeah, but uh, it's very. It it seems like it could be a real one, um, but that and King Kong like battling in the vines. When you know maybe they should be worried about not plummeting to their death. You know. <laughs> yeah. I, I felt like that was a little weird. Yeah. But... It's the same as Adrian Brody sliding off of the hip of a giant pile of brachiosaurs in that little tiny valley. It's like, really. That that guy's 125 pounds, and he just survived that whole thing. Was, yeah. <laughs> Making that movie realistic, but nobody would have survived that. Yeah. They did put a lot into that film. Mm-hmm. But what, uh, what about some of the other stuff? You were talking about uh, well, District you, 9. Yeah, District 9. And that was a motion capture one. Uh, all of the... the, uh, the Prawns. The prawns. There you go. Um, those were motion capture. And if you go back and watch, it's really neat to see the guys in motion capture suits, not even in a warehouse setting. They're doing motion capture work out in the field. They're running around out there in all of those real settings. And they were able to take that motion capture work and and overlay it with prawns. Oh, really? Yeah. It's really cool cool to see that actually happen and not be in a green screened warehouse environment. I'm going to have to check out some of the extra features on that movie because I have not seen anything but the film itself. Yeah. And and it's really cool. And and that guy, again, is is kind of a hero in that, in that, you know, that movie was made for around $30 million. And by Hollywood standards, that is low budget. And he he refuses to take a big budget project on he wants to stay in the 30 to 40 million dollar range because that is a low budget hollywood film he can easily return that money you know two and three fold you know district nine made huge money and it was academy award nominated and so that guy can stay in that 30 million dollar range and make whatever movie he wants hmm. Because he's he's at a point where you know he was with Peter Jackson and those folks, they'll yeah. throw him thirty million because he'll make two hundred million with it. Was was uh, Weta involved with that at all? 
Uh, I don't remember if that was the Weta. I would imagine that it was Weta that did all of that, but I'm I'm not a hundred percent sure. Okay, so for the listeners out there, Weta is the that's the name of the special effects company that Peter Jackson, who directed the Lord mm-hmm. of the Rings movies, they they worked on his movies. So yeah. they worked on King Kong, I think. And yes, they worked on the Lord of the Rings trilogy for sure. And I and I think they did um, uh, the last one he did, and I can't believe I'm spacing the name of that one off. The Lovely Bones, uh, Weta did the Lovely Bones as well. I have not seen that movie. Yeah, that came out a year ago. That was more of an art house relief that was uh release. Okay. Yeah. Right on. So uh as far as as far as effects go, that's a good a good point. Let's maybe we could do motion capture. Mm-hmm. You know it'd be interesting is to see uh see if some of the Godzilla suit actors or the monster suit actors from mm-hmm. Japan could do motion capture instead of wearing the full suit. Or mm-hmm. if they'd just be like, Well, I can't I can't fathom this. I need yeah. 300 pounds of latex draped over me in order for <laughs> in order to get into the mood. Yeah. But Kitagawa, you know, I'm sure he'd he'd be up for that kind of thing. Tom Kitagawa, he played the Godzilla um he played Godzilla like in the last 3 movies, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if they could do motion capture. I wonder how they did the CGI Godzilla from the Always uh 2 Always on Sunset Street, too. I can never remember the full name of that film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just like a quick little vignette where this guy comes out of a shop and Godzilla's trashing the city around him. I should show you that sometime if you haven't seen it. Well, and I think the one that was uh, Godzilla versus Bambi, I think that one might have been... Was that stop motion animation? No, I, th- I think that was a. No, but that was the most. That was the most realistic foot stomp. <laughs> That's right. Cartoon ever. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I want to stay hopeful. I was I was telling the guys from the Tokyo SOS podcast. I I remain, uh, what is it, cautiously optimistic about this two two thousand twelve Legendary Pictures release because to me, it seems like Godzilla has such a bad rap here in the states, and the um. You know, for a while I talked about the damage that was done by the TriStar film. Really, though, I think that the, the the damage done is kind of minimal because it really brought out the fact that a lot of people who were interested in seeing that movie really loved the essence of the Godzilla movies from the 60s, the, in the mm-hmm. 70s, which is, you know, n- not what was provided at all. But... uh you know, maybe that might have actually done a good thing. Well, but Godzilla wasn't a character in that. And that's one of the things that I've probably gained the most from all of this is the fact that Godzilla is a character in these movies. And it's not an occasional thing that runs in, stomps down a bunch of stuff, and then runs out. And and to me, the the best... Godzilla movies the ones that work the the best for me are the ones where he has something other than a city to to munch through you know those are um casualties on the side with buildings in Tokyo and everything else I like the ones where he's got other monsters and other things going on and that that's really where it gets interesting right well I think uh that's all going to come down to story it is yeah. because at this point in time if they just did one where a monster comes up out of the ocean, runs around, squishes Tokyo or New York City or whatever, does its thing, the military tries to fight it off, doesn't do a very good job, and then it disappears back into the ocean from whence it came. 
Yeah. What are you doing? You're giving us Cloverfield. Yeah. With with a different monster. Yeah, I hope. I yeah, I I can't wait to potentially talk to some of these people. Um, if the listeners don't know, I am actually planning on going to San Diego Comic Con this year, and hopefully, I will be able to get some interviews with some people at the convention. Maybe got my fingers crossed on that. Don't know for sure that I'm going, but it's definitely a possibility. Um, and one of the things I'm interested in in learning about the process that these people at involved with legendary pictures are, are going through is are how are they doing their research? Are they just coming up with a story by themselves or are they looking at what has happened before? And you know, what I'm interested is in is are they looking at these movies objectively and saying, okay, well this works from this film and this works from this film and you know, what worked in the sixties versus what worked in the nineties versus what worked in the the millennium series that's that to me is interesting and when you say what works what works from a true fan's point of view or are you looking at it as a hollywood dollars point of view because i i think that they need to be able to tap into a true fan base i think it needs to tap into both yeah exactly and that's and that's what i was going to say that they need to hit the fans and say what is the essence of what makes this successful and then be able to look at it from a, a, a dollar's point of view because it's Hollywood and they're going to look at it in dollars and say, okay, with the essence of what the true fan base will acknowledge and knowing the errors that we did before, how do we translate that into something that works on a Hollywood formula while keeping the essence of this thing alive? Yeah. Well, so did you hear this the show I did a couple of months ago where I was talking about what we know about the 2012 production? Yes. Okay, so like, uh, you know, not to reiterate too much, but you know, it's going to be CGI, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's going to a CGI monster, obviously, and there's going to be multiple monsters too. Or yeah, I thought least, that was rumored. That is going to be a multiple monster. Uh, I think that what uh, the guy who's in, being interviewed, I think he said that there will at least be one monster. That's mm-hmm. aside from Godzilla. Okay, so and maybe more. It'd be nice if if there was some way to like know this stuff i i wish i could learn it all and then erase my brain before seeing the movie or erase that section of my brain before <laughs> i see the movie just so i could go into the film with fresh fresh eyes and and uh because that's the way i like going to movies like i see one trailer and i'm like based on that one trailer i'm like i don't want to see that or i do want to see it and then I'll, once i see it mm-hmm. i um i don't have things ruined for me can you imagine a 2011 rodan digitally done or you know, mo- yeah, I guess that would probably be the best. That, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the I possibilities mean, are really great when I think about that. Yeah, I could totally imagine that, but you know, it just I want it to be well done. Mm-hmm. You know, let let's just let's uh, let's talk about Rodan for a second. Mm-hmm. If you're gonna do a Rodan, and it's gonna be digital, you gotta have the wings fold right. You know, yeah, like. If Rodan sits down like he's looking like he's roosting, he has to fold up his wings like a bird. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know? It has to happen. Nobody's done that yet. And well, and and flap well. That's one of the things like you can uh if anything kind of takes me out for a moment is when I see a Rodan and and you know, the whole thing is about the sonic flight and the damage that he causes and all of this stuff, but there are times when you can see that there's not a lot of flapping going on. Not something that would, you know, properly sustain something that size in flight. And uh, 
I just think that's something that on a digital aspect with without the limitations of, you know, a little bit of budget and and some wire, that's going to be really cool. Yeah. Uh, a really amazing thing. Well, it'd be nice. I mean, I, I and to be honest, I don't uh I don't I don't think that the monster that Godzilla fights needs to be an existing Toho monster. I think it could be something brand new. There was mm-hmm. a script floating around a long time ago in case the readers don't know this where uh, Godzilla was fighting against this kind of um, alien beast. They called it the Griffin, but it really, it's not a real Griffin. Mm-hmm. And it, but I think what happened is the alien came down and sort of absorbed different animal traits and uh, sort of ended up looking kind of like a Griffin with like big bat wings and sort of a mountain lion mm-hmm. head and uh, making giant motions with my hands that it, nobody can see except Martin. So, <laughs> But it's awesome. It's awesome. It, man, you guys wish you could see my hand motions. But uh, <laughs> the uh, the idea, I mean, the concept was sound, and it, it would have been nice to see that. Um, and I know that there are a lot of people out there that, that want to see the unmade Toho monsters. Like there's a creature called Bagan or Bagan or something mm-hmm. like that. I'm not sure how, you, how you'd pronounce it because I've never heard anybody say it, just seen it written. Uh, that was from a Godzilla video game that came out in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, he was never in the films and a lot of people thought he was going to be there. But now, uh, you know, I just don't... I, th- I think the best thing to do is to not try and tap the Toho well. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Let's not have Mechagodzilla in the movie, though. Seriously. <laughs> See, and my, uh, I guess the the only fear that I have is that that the other part that has become an essential Godzilla thing is the message, whether it's the one that they snuck in at the very end or the one they snuck in at the beginning and never finished out, or the ones that actually try to consistently have that because it's it's that environmental nuclear all of that stuff and i i'm almost afraid that we're at a place right now where that's almost too political that's too sensitive for people Mm. to be able to tackle that as something um like jody brought up a point a while ago like uh, a couple of man this is actually i think at the beginning of the year if the if the godzilla film is going to have a message it has to be relevant it has to be something that enough people care about these days that they're going to understand and mm-hmm. empathize with as opposed to it being like oh don't don't pollute you know <laughs> duh i think stop global warming like if you were to look at the way the country was in the 70s versus the way the country is now or the world well i wouldn't i'm not going to go so far as to say the world cuz i just don't know enough about other countries recycling mm-hmm. programs and stuff. But to me, this country is definitely trying to curtail its its pollution. And so that's a good thing. I would hope that the earth is better off for it in 2010 than it was in 1970 when Godzilla vs. the Smog Monster was being made. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, what, you know, let's uh, talk briefly about the story, though. Okay. Because we know who's writing it, Dave Callahan. Yes, uh, you probably have heard of his work from the movie The Horseman, which uh, was a huge success in the theaters, um, <laughs> an even bigger success on DVD. Um, I think that brought Dennis Quaid back to the Academy Awards attention. Has a huge cult following yeah. in Belgium. Most people don't realize that that movie made over $300,000 on its Friday opening. <laughs> 
And we are, of course, completely joking. 300,000? I think it was 300 million. Yeah. That might have been pesos. I'm not sure. Rupees. Yes. <laughs> Regardless, uh, just so you guys know out there, I watched that movie because um, I, I looked at his his three films that he had done, which were Doom and The Expendables and The Horseman, not necessarily in that order. And uh, I had seen Doom. And, you know, to be fair, Doom is a piece of junk. <laughs> <laughs> And I think that's more than fair. <laughs> the the only thing I liked about Doom, and uh, I don't usually say this on the show, but spoiler alert, <laughs> The Rock turns out to be a bad guy in Doom. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a cool twist. That was the only thing that I liked. Yeah. Everything else about Doom was just lame. Yeah, and I and I'm a I have liked The Rock in some things, and I really like Carl Urban. I I think he's a good guy. I haven't seen Pathfinder on purpose to try to keep that that level going. Don't don't see Pathfinder. Yeah. Um but you know the and uh, the Expendables I am going to watch that as well at some point. I don't know how I feel about it going into it, but I did watch The Horseman and ooh. Okay, <laughs> uh I don't want to get into a big review thing. If you if you like the movie 7, and you wish there were more movies like Seven, you might enjoy The Horseman. Uh, if you like movies with good endings, you won't like The Horseman because it just kind of ends and you're sitting there going, what? That, that's the end? I thought for sure that the reason it went black was because they were going to cut to a new scene, but nope, it was the end of the movie. just wasn't a good film. It's a, you know... Dennis Quaid's in it, and some other people are in it. The the young girl from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is in it. Oh, uh, Shang Ju Yu. Yes, I guess is that it's got a bunch of Z's in her name. So, <laughs> um, yeah, she's in it, and uh, you know, she, it's not like the acting is bad. Mm-hmm. So, kudos to the actor and the actress who really pulled that movie together. But uh, yeah, just not. Uh, I don't. I, I can't look at that and see why he was chosen for the Godzilla. Now, let's hope. Let's all cross our fingers and our toes and our claws and our tails and multiple tails and hope that Dave Callahan actually likes Godzilla movies. Well, and if you think about it, actually, maybe this is a good choice because if you if you look at it, let's set Doom aside, uh, and then we look at the Horseman and Dennis Quaid was in that, and then you look at the Expendables that had. Um, Mickey Rourke in it and has Sylvester Stallone. Those are all three actors that have been around for a long time and could easily double as lizards if if not put in the proper makeup to be shot for a feature film. <laughs> let's not be mean to Dennis Quaid. Okay. <laughs> and actually, since we're on the subject, let's not be mean to Mickey Rourke because that dude scares me. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Mickey, as a constant listener of the Kaiju cast, I want you to know I said that with the deepest respect. Mickey Rourke is cool. <laughs> I loved you in Sin City, man. Yes. I uh, did love you in Sin City. That is true. <laughs> that That is true. But, uh, you know, in all seriousness, you know, this uh, the movie is, it's hard for me to get really excited about the Godzilla film. It's It's more of an interesting thing like uh you know i got the show now it's 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 nice to talk about it it's nice to kind Mm -hmm. of get what other people are feeling about it and uh, i hope that you know as the show progresses throughout the year and the you know throughout the end of this year 
some information comes to light, maybe I'll be able to interview some people from Legendary Pictures. Maybe I'll be able to interview some people working on the film. And uh, yeah. It do, it does, uh, having not seen Horseman, I, I am a little bit scared because um, I, I'm trying to learn script writing because I I have a, a premise and a story that I like and I'm hoping to turn that into a script. Um, and I'm working very diligently in doing that the right way and I'm hoping I'm learning the right way. And when I... When I look back at Doom, and mm. I hear about Horsemen, and then I hear about The Expendables because I haven't heard it, what it seems like is that there are good premises that have a few decent scenes and snarky dialogue written around them, and there's kind of almost no point. Yeah, let's hope that this movie doesn't have snarky dialogue holding it together. Yeah. That's almost what one of the big problems was with the uh, with the TriStar film, mm-hmm. is that... I mean, the the characters spent way too much time in front of the camera. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, I think, uh, is there anything else you wanted to No, I, th- I think that's good. And, All right. Uh, yeah. Cool, because I think we probably need to put this on pause because people are coming over any minute now to watch our next film in the Daikaiju discussion. Gamera 2. I'm Gamera excited two. for this. I just saw Gamera, Guardian of the Universe, uh, what, two weeks ago. So yeah. I'm I'm ready. Right on. Well, I know that uh, I know that we're gonna we're gonna probably talk about this during uh, the Daikaiju discussion as well. But it would be very beneficial if the people who are making the Godzilla 2012 film looked at the Gamera Heisei trilogy. It would be very very beneficial in my opinion. But uh, before we get to that whole Daikaiju discussion, I'm gonna play another couple songs, and uh, this is gonna be. The Creatures, which is a sort of like, I guess, sort of like a side project for a Susie from Sushi. Sushi. <laughs> yes, the Caparole. No, it's a side project of Susie and the Banshees called The Creatures. And this song is called Godzilla. Yeah. 
What is that? <laughs> what is this? A giant monster. He's so sweet. When I'm in Tokyo, Japan, I always think of him. It's his land. The toys are set in Godzilla. class it is now time for daikaiju discussions every month the kaiju cast will showcase one particular film from the giant monster landscape and task the listeners with submitting thoughts questions and reviews for the following episode thanks to an online tool of randomly assigned one movie to each month solidifying that this show will keep going for a long long time this month we're talking about gamera 2 advent of legion which is the second film in the heisei trilogy came out in 1997. It was directed by Shusuke Kaneko. Uh, the music was done by Ko Otani, who did the music for all three of the films. It's, uh, in my opinion, one of the best of uh, the, I mean, it's like in the top ten of all giant monster movies of all time from any year. We're going to have a bunch of people over here to watch it in just a second. And, of course, I've got some user submissions to read as well. Uh, I think with that being said, let's... Uh, Let's hear what folks here in the KaijuCast headquarters had to say. Okay, I am sitting here with a bunch of guests here on uh, my left. I have Dave Helfrey, who you, you guys should know as Baron Von Gulu, who was uh, on the show a few months ago. Of course, we got Jeff, and we have Martin. And we just finished watching Gamera 2 Advent of Legion, and um, I had a great time watching that film. Everybody was very quiet. Did you like it, Dave? It was no. I love that movie. I, you know, I, uh, I I love that movie. And yet, it was. I noticed how reverential it was in the uh, room while we were uh, listening to it. But I mean, since this was my first time, you know, here in you know enjoying your hospitality and watching one of these kaiju movies, I did not feel completely at ease to crack wise throughout the entire movie like I normally do. But uh, maybe next time, yes, we'll, you know, we'll be a little little less reverential then. So sometimes we do. Yeah, break especially in the the lesser films. It, I think I think it was the awe and grandeur of Blu-ray that it just all, all uh, hypnotized us into uh, in, into into the into the quiet reverence watching the whole movie that way. Yeah, it looked it looked pretty good. I think it actually looked better than it 
I've ever seen it, but at the same time, it looked better than it could have looked because they had like some of those shots where you were zoomed in really close to the TV or like they were showing, like shooting a night scene. And I was like, wow, that is really grainy. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> really but grainy. only in the night scenes. The rest of it looked pretty good. Yeah. It's, I thought it looked great. Jeff, uh, you actually have never seen this movie before tonight. I had not seen the second one. Oh, I had wow. seen the first one and the third one a couple of times. But had never seen the second one, so I was like, I mean, it, it's it's a pretty solid film. I love the creature design. Creature design is fantastic. Great. Yeah, uh, Martin. Last week we watched Gamera: Guardian of the Universe. Yep, we watched Gamera: Guardian of the Universe. Really good movie. That was the the first one of this Gamera series that I had seen, and I haven't seen this one, and I haven't seen the third one. So um, all I can say is this movie is awesome. Oh my god, this movie was so good. <laughs> I wasn't prepared for that. <laughs> I'm going to have to fix the levels on that later. It peaked. <laughs> peaked. It peaked. It peaked. Uh, I kind of did, yeah. actually. I thought, <laughs> that that's movie. why it was so quiet while I was watching. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. This movie, I think uh, I really do love the third film for sure. Um, it's absolutely one of my favorites, and I have a solid history with it because I got to see it in the theater, and I was excited, and mm-hmm. it was. I followed the production as it was getting made but something about Gamera 2 is just it is choice you get that whole science fiction aspect and they tried to I thought it was interesting that they tried to bring in real world science and apply it to alien um, life forms so as a scientist sort of guy Martin <laughs> as our resident science expert I did, not, I did not know Martin was a resident scientist <laughs> he likes to do science nice. stand back I'm doing science exactly so <laughs> as our resident science expert uh, Martin how, how did all that stuff play out with you with the uh, you know relating the migratory patterns of the legion aliens to the leaf cutter ants and uh semiconductors and silicones and the hey 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 that hurts me <laughs> and the bling yeah. <laughs> um i did not know that leafcutter ants had mushrooms that grew next to their um uh ant colonies it is true. that were that were dependent on them so I did, I did know that um yeah so that one was one when i was watching that i was like ooh i want to go and look that one up because of what i do know of leafcutters that was not a piece so that's good um, but it was interesting that they were they were talking about the increased pressure in the atmospheres and the increased oxygen and all of that and the fact that it would be poison and all of that. And that stuff is all very much on because our atmosphere is not an oxygen atmosphere. It's a nitrogen-based atmosphere that has small traces of oxygen. And when we do get too much oxygen, it is poison for us. So they stayed on very well with all of that stuff. And giving themselves the proper amount of space, knowing they were about to blow something up in an oxygen-rich environment yeah. and all of that. So, yeah, they that was well-thought-out stuff. What about, I, like, the fire? Like, was that... Is, that it seems to me, like, I can only take small jabs at this film, like, very little, maybe that wasn't right kind of thing, you know? But, uh, like, when the guy lights his cigarette yeah, and a that big one, giant torch... That quite wouldn't have been because if they were in an oxygen-rich environment, it would have been the oxygen that would have ignited, so the flame would yeah, not, not have the, been restricted to it. That was yeah, yeah, that was the butane of the lighter. So they were using something... They were using a, a visual piece to show you that things weren't quite the same there, but if that had been an oxygen-rich environment, it would have engulfed all of them. 
Wow, this is like an educational episode. Yeah. Well, and the, the, that's the, why you tune in, folks. The other science, <laughs> the, the science bit that I like that I I've seen this. I think this is the third time I've seen this movie. Yeah. And I actually, and I don't know if I just missed it the other two times, or if my, you know, or if the subtitles on my DVD are different than the ones we just, you know, right. Very possible. Watch, but the uh, um, oh, jeez, I didn't even pay attention to her name. The female lead in uh, uh oh, none of us remember. In in this movie, wah, the wah, female lead wah, in this movie, yes. But you know who I'm talking about. You'll edit yes. it in. No, yeah. no, no. I know who it is. It's insert name here. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say Honami, but I don't know if that's I, right. I think I think that's is I that think right? that's right. Um, uh, when she uh, made the analogy between uh, these sort of like this 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 meteor uh, this meteor shower bringing alien life to the planet and how. Um, and how uh, species got to volcanic islands like Tahiti and everything like that. That, that most of, uh, you know, if not most, if not all, I actually think that for for um, uh, she she mentioned Tahiti. I don't. I, I she was talking about the plants and well, how yeah, they got the carried there by and birds. Animals are carried by winds and by oh, you know by, birds, by yeah. you know by uh, yeah birds by the tides yeah. and by birds and things like that. And that there aren't. I mean, like the, the, these these islands don't come up in the middle of the in the middle of the sea and then life just spontaneously generates on them as cool as that would be. Doesn't really you know obviously it doesn't work that way. And the idea of that on a planetary scale, I thought. That's awesome. I love that as a premise for a you know for an alien invasion movie. That it's just you know, which it reminded me of the the seventies remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, mm. where it begins with the you know these the sort of with the seeds falling from the sky and and uh, and you know and germinating in the rain and then eating Donald Donald Sutherland later in the movie. I mean the that 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 sort of the, that these uh, space interspatial migration of species is kind of creepy when you think about it. Yeah. Like, why not? You know, it's not it's like, something you see a lot in in well, movies, and it's, and it's a really good premise. Oh yeah, you know, it's, I, I, I like it. It's like I mean, you can believe that. You know, it's not, it's not a stretch of a, of the imagination to believe that that could happen. Yeah, I thought that a lot of this movie was very believable in in terms of uh, you know as well. Let's just say that maybe because they likened this behavior to what we experience here on Earth with this animal and right. this with how maybe the Tahiti Islands were populated by uh, plant life. You know, I just maybe that's what solidifies it and makes it more believable. But yeah, I thought I definitely. I mean, it's a smart, well thought out screenplay for sure. You know, I mean, it doesn't seem like it, it's not really talking down to the audience, or, or they didn't really make it for you know kids, like they did like some of the you know like in the, the late seventies, you know, Godzilla films that they did. They kind of catered to young people. So like yeah, they really tried to make an intelligent kaiju film here. And how about that dude at the beginning of the, the subway train driver getting his <laughs> yeah, brains... Yeah, the most violence I've seen <laughs> yeah. so far. Anyways, that was <laughs> great. The blood spatter on, on the window. On the window. Like, Just in time for the window shade to come up. <laughs> Do you think cool. that the creature design, and especially the uh, you know crab-like creatures, um, think that was taken a little bit, maybe influenced from Destroyer? I think it's possible, and I know that um, when this movie came out, uh, a lot of fans sort of were like, they saw pictures of it, and they said, oh, that's just like Destroyer. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I just, 
I understand. It's similar. But where, um, you know, and Godzilla fans might not like what I'm about to say, but uh, the diehards might understand. It's just done so much better oh, yeah, than Destroy It yeah, in, a, in the course of one year. Yeah. You know, it's almost like somebody could have seen that and said, oh, you know, I was thinking about a story like that. We could do that better. Yeah. Let's do that. Because everything about the only thing I didn't like about uh, about the the Legion creatures, the small soldiers, was uh, the scene where they first crawl up Gamera's legs and engulf him. But that was a CGI thing. Yeah, yeah. pretty. It was yeah, pretty, yeah. that's early CGI. Crappy CGI. Yeah, early CGI too. Yeah. too. Like I mean, if you look at all these films in terms, if you were to like. Uh, carbon date their CGI effects you'd see that you know from starting in like um, I'm, I'm going to say Mothra because I can't well actually at least let's start in you know the Heisei 1984 film mm-hmm. it's all wire work CGI and it's just used for um, for like you're looking at a display in a military base kind of thing and then they start to use more and more when you go through the Godzilla films and then by the time you hit Destroya I would imagine that Toho thinks, yeah, we're pretty good at this CGI stuff. We've been able to make flying missiles and helicopters, but they've always looked a little bit off. And then in the last Gamera film, Gamera Guardian of the Universe, they used a little bit of CGI, not too much. And I think they decided that this was going to be Daie, not Toho, obviously, decided this would yeah. probably be a bigger step into that. And when it, you're watching it on a smaller scale... I'm sure it looked great, and I'm sure that in 1996, when somebody watched this, they were like, "That looks very good." I didn't, yeah, yeah, I didn't, I didn't notice it the first, the first time I watched this movie, I didn't notice that scene, and then on on the big screen here, it stuck out like a sore thumb. Yeah, specifically that scene. I think there were a couple of other yeah. shots that were a little what a little I would call questionable, yeah. um, like when the Legion, the Mother Legion, pops out of the ground and or you know bursts from the ground and takes off through the air. That was a little iffy, but it's still like not too no, bad. My favorite scene in the entire movie is um, the battle in front of the helicopters. Yeah, that scene that really is good. just a fantastic example of how you can make giant monsters in the background, things happening in the foreground, realistic. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. That was that was. I, I just thought this movie was well done from beginning to end without a doubt the most coherent solid story of anything that i've seen so far out of any of these i really don't think anything had as solid and coherent a story um and even like the little things even from like the little seeds from space coming through or even the little uh part at the end where they're trying to get their little environmental statement in and all of that it was all very well done and it was all very well timed and uh, even when I was thinking about how many times we actually had, you know, Gamera and Legion and big battles and all that stuff, there was a lot of downtime that was in there. And I never felt like I was bored. Where the other movies where it's like, oh, man, come on, bring the guys back on. Like, they care- they kept this interesting. <laughs> Jeff just gave you this crazy look. <laughs> What do you mean these movies drag when there's no monsters on the screen? <laughs> I laughed so hard my headphones came off. <laughs> it's like a comedy Did movie. Did I peek in out here. again? I'm sorry. Uh, no. <laughs> no, it just made me laugh. <laughs> I, I really appreciated how the lead actress was, was in a skirt the entire time, even when it's winter. 
She, she, I thought she was cute. Like yes. When, and not to sound creepy or anything, but you know. <laughs> Here it comes. <laughs> but Letcher, Letcher, Letcher. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> the, I, uh, I mean, I'd say that uh, I was a little disappointed when she wasn't in Gamera 3. But only a little disappointed. Oh, spoiler alert. Damn it. Sorry. No, Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, I mean, we could probably go on and on about this, but uh, in the, in the effort to not have to, like... I want to jump in just because we're defending the story. You yes. Like talking about it. And, I, and I agree largely with, Mar- what, with what Martin says, where usually the story is, oh, there's a giant monster on this side of Tokyo, and oh, here comes another giant monster from the other side of Tokyo. What's going to happen when they meet in the middle? The end. And uh, so, obviously, a lot more um, attention was paid to the story. And yet, and this is this always bugged me about this movie, and it still bugged me when I watch, when we watch it today. It's like at the end where, you know, Gamera goes through, like, just gets the snot beat out of him. He's, like, getting parts of his shell blown away. He's bleeding all over the place. He's getting, you know attacked by a million bugs and you know you know death of a thousand paper cuts kind of thing and then <laughs> you know the big one is kicking the snot out of him and he's like like my favorite scene we're talking about is when is toward, towards the finale when he comes flying in and he lands and he skids through all the buildings yeah. and he's just blazing he's like the Charles Bronson of giant <laughs> monsters he's like blam 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 and Legion's like oh yeah no, I, I got this force field thing I didn't show you the force field thing before oh yeah, yeah. I got a force field and Gamera's like, what the hell is yeah. this? And it just seems like no matter what he does, I'm going to rip your face off. Oh, I've got another weapon behind my face. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm going to attack you with that. And he's like, what yeah. the heck? And he's just getting he's just getting the crap kicked out of him. And then at the end, it's like uh, the writers are like, okay, Legion's so powerful. How is Gamera going to stop him? Uh, His chest opens up and he, he blows Legion away. <laughs> and it's like, wait a minute, Gamera could do that? Yeah. You know, it's like all this time, just, That's it, yeah. Gamera could do, why didn't he do that to Gauss? Why didn't he do that to, you know, it's like, where, where, what? So, you know, and and I hate it when, you know, <laughs> when that, I mean, didn't, and didn't, uh, didn't Godzilla do that in one of those in 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 a movie? Well, that's too, the like, Giver. Oh, well, yeah, you ever like, see the Giver? Yeah, the Giver you know, with like, the bio suit and well, it sure. like opens yeah, up his the big, chest and you know yeah, blasts it out. Yeah, like, but, <laughs> that's I mean, what I was thinking. But, but didn't but didn't Godzilla? Do, wasn't there this one where like all of a sudden he just like his whole body heats up and he just blasts like he's never blasted before and he blows a blow. I mean, like did he do yeah, that at the like, end of, of uh, he kind of did it at the end of. Um, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla in 1993. Yeah, you know, like, and it's just like, and all of a sudden it's like, oh wait, you could do that? What have we been sitting through th- an hour and a half? I think it's of, a once you know? in a decade kind of thing. It's the yeah. super, it's the super mega ultra weapon is yeah. what that is. You can only use it you once know. every 10 years. It's yeah. when the, an- yeah. those were all angels that were flying in <laughs> as it was coming. What would have totally solved that for me is that if, like, if all the army guys had sat there and watched it, they like, Wait, Gamera can do that? That was awesome, you know. <laughs> just, awesome. You know, and just like just recognize that that's something that like he has to like Jeff just says that he Summon has to like or something. store up for. Yeah, you know, or something like that. Well, the do you guys any of you guys know what that was? The the light coming across the sky. Well, wasn't it, I mean like he's supposed to be like a fire elemental or something? Now, he, yeah, he's he? supposed like, to be. Well, he was developed the, by the Atlanteans or the Mu empire to help protect the the earth the earth or, mm-hmm. or i the think it, no i think it's the earth like the earth proper mm-hmm. not the people on earth but like right. like asagi was saying like all life on earth yeah right. and um 
So that is supposed to be mana, which is a... Uh, oh. I don't know how to define mana, unfortunately, but uh, it's they, they go into it a little bit into the third movie. They talk about that. So, oh, so, um, that. so basically he... It's the blue potion in Diablo that I always go through really fast. <laughs> well, what happens is in the third movie, they say like um, that Gamera really, uh, he called on the earth and brought the power from the earth, I think, or something right. like that. Mm-hmm. And so what ends up happening is that because he's done that, he's he's tapped out for a while. And uh, and oh, okay. I think so that they, they in spell the, that out in the third movie? I, I seem to remember that a little bit. Okay, see, because that's actually kind of like, at least then, that tells me that the writers watched the movie and went, oh, you know, we really should have explained what just happened there, huh? Yeah, okay, maybe. we'll do it in the next movie. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I really do think this movie is a... Tr- I mean, it's, you got to yeah. see it as a trilogy. That's what, That's oh, why I, I brought you in last week yeah, to make absolutely. you watch it. I agree with that. Yeah. yeah, and I'm excited to see the third one. When is the third one coming up? When is, the, is that like... Sometime in the next year, or yeah, like sometime yeah. twenty fifteen, <laughs> sometime before July two thousand fifteen. It's <laughs> about all I can say. Oh boy, uh, uh, you know I don't want to spoil it for the everybody. Experiment continues. Yeah, it's it's a worthwhile, you know, worthwhile venture. It is. I feel. Uh, I'm surprised. I actually, I really surprised. I didn't get more feedback about this movie. I'm kind of thinking it might be because it's. With the exception of the Blu-ray, which just came out last month, mm. um, it's it might be because uh, it's a, hard to come by. Guys, if it? you have not seen this, you need to watch this one. It it's was really print, good. Right? It's really? Out of print. Is it really? Well, what happened was ADV Films had it, and they were producing it for a while until they felt I think that's that where they I got didn't. Mine. Yeah, they felt that they didn't need to produce it anymore, and then. Um, now they are a defunct company. So you can find it out there, but it has been technically... Technically, it is on moratorium because the company who was releasing oh, that it... sucks. Yeah, it, it does suck for sure. But uh, the good news is it's out on Blu-ray for a super, super, super cheap price. I mean, like uh, we were talking about earlier, less than six bucks for both films together. Yeah, it's better and, than poking the eye. You know, Dave, one thought that I had too when we were having that Blu-ray discussion, mm-hmm. do computers, newer computers now, are there DVD trays that are coming are actually Blu-ray DVDs? Is that true? If it that's is. the case, a lot of people will be able to watch Blu-rays from their newer computers. I don't know if it's within the last year or two, oh, but wow. that might be yeah. worth it for people to pick this up for six bucks for a double header of both of these Gamera movies and oh, you can I'll, watch yeah, it on your for computer. For six bucks, I'll probably pick it up just, theor- you know, because theoretically I'll own something someday that can play a blu-ray yeah you know that's you know that's the price of a you know value meal at burger king i'll just that's yeah absolutely you're all the newer when we got a computer last christmas the new internet has a blu-ray yeah so that that might be a a way to go and if you've got a big screen tv and you've got it you can either run a vga cable or a hdmi out of the computer and you can you can watch it that way. Interesting. So that's a that's and, and a good way around it. Mill Creek Entertainment is the company that put this Blu-ray out, and they're pretty much well uh, well known for putting out these like mega public domain box sets with like fifty movies. Oh, are those those guys? Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. Know you know, about. so but they did a pretty good job with with this. Mm-hmm. I could tell. So. Yeah, they did a fantastic. I mean, well, I don't want to say fantastic job. It looked good, but it was good. It was a good job. Didn't see. I didn't see any problems with the uh, the transfer. There were two typos. I only saw two typos out of everything that was in there. Was one of them like a space void? void. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 
But I mean, really, it's I don't even know that that's those guys. I think they the, the it they probably got those subtitles yeah. directly from uh, Ketakawa, who it owns Dae now. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so uh, let's uh, wrap up discussion. I'm gonna go down the line. Uh, final thoughts, Dave. Uh, final thoughts. Uh, yeah, you know, as you said, as a trilogy. Um, you know these. I mean, I think I think these three are probably my uh, my favorite kaiju films. Period. So, and, and probably, I mean, this is this cannot be an opinion that I hold. You know, alone. You know, uh, out there. But um, uh, yeah, you know, it's like I think I, I, I in a way, I sort of uh, uh, envy Martin getting to see all three of them in in relatively. Uh, you know, rapid succession. I mean, I actually think that I saw Iris first because uh, I because I, um, I think uh, I think we might have even talked about this, Kyle. How how we were both the Egyptian. That's uh, right. Yeah, when, for uh, yeah, when G Fest was, was in, in Los LA. Angeles, and uh, you know, I I uh, and and um, you know, I think I was actually a little bit confused, you know, as to what was going on, having seen. You know, uh, haven't seen the third one first, but I think you know all three of them are beautiful. I think they're amazingly well done, and um, uh, you know, like we're talking about the creature design. I actually think the creature design in Legion is a little overdone. You know, there's this there's this sort of uh, um, escalation of arms, you know, going on with 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 creature design these days, and it's like before it was like, oh, you got a lizard that breathes fire. How about uh, he can fly a big flying. Uh, pterodactyl monster that sounds good okay let's make a movie you know and that was it and you know now it's like ah it's got a million arms and it's you know shoots lasers out of its eyes and babies out of its chest and it's got a force field and does this and and uh i would it makes toast i would argue though that like if you if you were to take a look if you were to sort of grade all of the japanese productions in the 90s on their monster designs um while Legion is over the it's top, beautiful definitely yeah. holds like the top. In my opinion, holds the top spot. I like Legion better than Iris. A, and the like articulation yes. of that body was really good. It was they pretty did amazing. A good job of that. Yeah, was, you know that's a two man suit. I did not know it was a two man. I didn't know suit. that either. And uh, it's got to be really awkward because it's kind of, in a sense, it's kind of like uh, the your your horse yeah. suit where you've got a guy in the front. That's being funny. the head and the and the legs, and a guy in the back being the back legs, but instead of uh, the guy in the back facing the same he's direction, backwards. he's he's back to back with the guy in the front uh, working so that, those back uh, legs. Oh, that wow. would explain. Okay, clever, pretty cool, Very clever girl. No, I, I, <laughs> I love I love the way that that uh, uh, the creature design takes that sort of thing. Do, do, I mean, are you are you a, much of an Ultraman fan? I have not seen very much, but yeah. There, I mean, like some of my favorite uh, Ultraman monsters are the ones where you could tell where they've just got the, you know, the guy in some kind of walking crab position or something inside the, or the there's this there's this sort of bat starfish creature where they've just got two guys standing holding hands in the middle and that's where the head is. <laughs> it's just like these really weird, you know, just kind of you know to try and you know break the. Uh, you know, break the human form. I, 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 I do respect that as far as their creature design goes, very much so. Yeah, I thought the attention to detail in these th- three films especially Absolutely. is fantastic. Absolutely. So, Jeff, final thoughts for our listeners? 
Um, I really enjoyed this film, um, and now having seen all three films in the from the '90s uh, uh, Gamera trilogy, you know, I have to say that this series is sorely underrated, and I think it stands toe to toe with the '90s Godzilla films. Uh, really? I don't think it stands toe to toe. I think it stands above. You do for sure. Even a see, so you like these better than any of the Heisei '90s Godzilla films? Yeah, I do. I mean, as far as te- I mean, as far as filmmaking achievements go, I would say that as a trilogy, and even it, I'd say maybe individually they're they're all better. Maybe not so much Gamera Guardian of the Universe, just because I know they were still trying to you know, get their feet wet and get some of the techniques down. But still, I mean, like we watched Martin and I watched Gamera the other day, right? Mm-hmm. And before that, he had seen uh, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla from 1993, which is supposed to be one of the best films from the Heisei series. I think it is. R- <laughs> Wrong. Clearly. Oh, really? Sorry. Clearly, <laughs> Godzilla like versus Mothra is that Jeff loves Mothra. You, well, I mean, I like Godzilla versus Mothra, taking, and I also like Destroyer. You are taking oh, the, advantage that, of our newcomer is here. That, wait, is, that the mo- is that the Mothra with the bat- Batra in it? That is the Mothra with Batra. Okay, that one's yeah. solid. Okay. It is a good yeah. movie. Yeah. All the monster action in that movie is very good. Well, that's really all I watch those movies for. Uh, you know, but so. with these movies, I feel you get more than just monster action. Agreed. Monster action is fantastic. But I think Shusuke Kaneko does a very good job in directing his cast as well. I, I was actually thinking about this during the movie. I'm like, man, if I had a dream team of people to put on a monster movie... Uh, the special effects director from these movies, his name is Shinji Higuchi. He'd be at the top of my list because he's amazing. And Kaneko would be on there too for directing, I think. I'm not sure. Maybe not so much. But uh, yeah. But I, I really do feel that these three movies are better than the Godzilla films of the Heisei series, at least. All the Heisei? <laughs> Even Biolante? Yeah, yeah. I oh, mean, Biolante yeah. has... Uh, I love the film. I love all the films. You know that. You know, I'm not trying to do give... Do you? I really do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Ow. goodness. Yeah, getting called out. Wow, wow, I know. Finally, Jeff takes revenge from all my anti-Mothra talk. <laughs> yeah, ouch. Yes, I do. Look at the... Look at these posters. <laughs> With the exception of that guy there, these are all Heisei Godzilla posters, okay? Okay. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're surrounded by a poster for Cloverfield. Now, and, shut the uh, hell up, man. Thanks for bringing the Blu-ray player, Jeff. <laughs> Martin, what do you think? Um, by far... By far, my favorite of anything we've seen so far. Now, I haven't seen, obviously, all the movies because Boom! I am the newer. <laughs> <laughs> the hammer drops! <laughs> hey, did you just peek that? <laughs> no, that's why. Oh, okay. You like uh, this better than Mothra 2? Yes. Really? <laughs> yes. Mothra 2 is so terrible. I know that. Come we on. all. We all. I know. We There's, all, yeah, we all I'm still recovering from the peeing Furby, to be honest. That one, <laughs> one kind of was a little odd for me. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, sorry about I, that. I, I thought this was fantastic. I, I thought this was completely solid. I'm really excited to see Iris. Um, and I would like to know, which you don't have to answer here, 
But I would love to know more of what this director has done. He did Crossroads uh, with Britney God. Spears. Oh, did wanna... he do that? God, that was awesome. <laughs> do you just want to know monster movies or other movies? Other movies. Um, he did a movie. Oh, man. What is it called? I think I have it somewhere. Uh, it's kind of like a <laughs> it's kind of like a fire starter movie mm-hmm. it's pretty good um it's got a lot of a love story thing going on in it and uh he did godzilla mothra king ghidra uh mm. giant monsters all out attack mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite godzilla movies and it has mothra in it jeff so <laughs> well that is the best godzilla <laughs> there you movie go ever i think um I actually haven't seen that many of his films outside mm-hmm. of the monster genre. So, um, And in all fairness to Jeff, I think that if there had been um, singing twin leprechauns in Gamera 2, that would have made the movie <laughs> even better. <laughs> because you can't, yeah. you can't beat that. I was waiting for the urinating Furby and an and a odd little woman flying around on a... Crazy <laughs> butterfly dragon to like butterfly dragon. Jeff loves her. All right. Well, we're. Uh, we, I don't want to say right we're out of time, but yeah, we've we've gone it's on so for a while. Time, just yeah. done. This one's off it's, the tracks. We could. Uh, yeah, we could have these things go on for a long time, and they they might go even longer next next year. Who knows? But uh, on my final thoughts, I will just say, uh, you know, in order to echo everything I've already said, this film just really evokes what I love about giant monster movies. And to me, it stands head and shoulders above a majority of the other monster movies out there. So I'm saying a majority. I'm not going to say all of them, Jeff. Okay. (laughs) Lord. Next time... I'm not facing you. <laughs> Sitting on the couch yeah, so okay. I don't have to see all your eye rolls. Just like the guy in the suit, man, back to back, <laughs> legs back flying. To back. I don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you guys all for coming out and watching this film with us. And uh, let's hear what other people had to say. So I only actually got in a few different uh, submissions for Dekaiju Discussions. I'm really glad that I posted that on Facebook recently because I think I got a couple more. Uh, but we'll start with Robert. Robert said this movie is a little light on the action in the first half, but there's the mystery of the Legion and uh, quite a few chills and thrills to keep the viewer hooked. The model work on the sets is superb and harkens back to the early days of the detailed set building under Subaraya. This movie surpasses those and just about every other kaiju film in this respect. None of the sets look like sets. Everything is so realistic, the verisimilitude is never broken. Uh, he then asks, what other movies has this composer worked on, Koatani, and uh, most notably the soundtrack for Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidra, which I do enjoy, but to be honest, I would so much rather hear a symphonic version of the score as opposed to the synthesizer music that Otani-san performed. It's still good, but uh, I'd rather hear something a little more traditional like the Gamera series, uh, like the music from the Gamera series. Jose wrote in to say that he thought Gamera 2 was an enjoyable movie. The look for Gamera was really good, and so was Legion. The fight scenes were good, as was the special effects. Steven also writes in that the first time he watched Gamera Attack of Legion, he was blown away by the many elements of the film, the visual effects, the cohesive story, the setting in the snowbound Hokkaido, which uh, 
let me just break for a second and say I think that this is the first movie to actually have like a sort of like monster battle in the snow. I guess there was something going on in Son of Godzilla, but uh, I remember thinking when I saw Gamera too, like that, that was really cool, and I can't believe it took uh, so long for that to actually happen in a Gamera or Godzilla or a kaiju film. Uh, he also said that the the uh, the scene in the subway actually made him jump. Which is uh, pretty scary stuff for uh, what could be a kid's movie. I don't know. We had uh, Martin watching the movie. <laughs> he said he was pretty taken aback by the giant blood splatter on the window. Uh, another thing uh, Stephen says is that uh, one sequence which stands out to him and has actually been consistent in the Heisei and Millennium Gamoras and Godzilla films is the daylight monster scenes, the visual effects Make it seem uh, as make it seem very much as if it were filmed outdoors. The color matching between the human elements and the effects are excellent. That being said, he loved the fight at the airfield where Gamera protects Asagi and the helicopter. Effects, editing, and story were all excellent. His only complaint with the new Gamera films after Guardian of the Universe is the lack of deepening the mythology of the creatures involved. And I gotta say, I agree. Uh, we were talking after the movie for a little while and I kind of told Martin, I'm like, oh, you've got to see the the next film. It gets even, you you know, you get a little further into that story. It's still not perfect. They don't, uh, I think it's the opposite of weighing you down with that sort of information. Instead of doing that and, and, you know, having it be sort of overbearing, it's almost not enough to keep you interested in in what the uh, mythology is for those creatures and, and what's going on. Uh, that's, uh, those are the, that's what I got for you guys this month for Daikaiju Discussions. Thanks to you guys for writing in. Uh, what say we go ahead and get a little Godzilla news going? What say we do that again with it being much, much louder? How about this? This is United Nations reporter Eric Carter with the news. The world is stunned to discover that prehistoric creatures exist in the 20th century. The armies have been alerted as we wait for more news from Japan. All right, so there's not a ton of news out there this month, uh, but there are some really cool things that I found online and uh, one which was sent to me. The biggest news is that uh, this year, this upcoming year, from April 8th through the 10th in Burbank, California, the uh, new Monster Palooza convention is going to be held, and they are going to be hosting Haruo Nakajima. I'm going to post a link to this on the in the show notes for this month, but uh, this is something that August Rogoni has been working on with uh, the organizers of Monster Palooza, and it's probably going to be one of the last times Nakajima-san is able to come to the States. He's uh, getting kind of up there in the years, but uh, I know... Uh, August tried to get him at uh, to a thing in San Francisco last year, or the year before, didn't quite work out. So this uh, this should be a really great experience for anybody, especially on the we- on the on the West Coast here. I'm actually going to see if there's any way I can get down there because I'd, I'd like to meet him myself. Again, I'll have that posted in the show notes, and you can read all the information on August's blog. Uh, also, something I saw on the Sci-Fi Japan. Um, Facebook page is somebody posted a link to the science of Godzilla, which is um, a blog entry sort of detailing how 
Godzilla would really um, interact with the world and how you would sort of uh, be as an actual animal in our world. And it's a, kind of a cool, cool, uh, cool article. I, I highly suggest checking it out, at least skimming through it if you don't, if you don't read the whole thing. Again, link in the show notes. Make sure you check it out. So uh, another item on the list is if you have Netflix, uh, you probably know that they have a bunch of Godzilla movies on Netflix. Well, something you may not have known is that they just posted recently the Godzilla animated series from the 90s, which in my opinion is like the only good thing that came out of that whole TriStar debacle. And uh, granted, not all the episodes are great, but uh, the concept and the animation design, the you know, I guess you'd say the art direction of that series is really cool. You can definitely check that out on uh, Netflix. But if you want to check out uh, what they had to write on, uh, what they wrote up on SciFiJapan.com, link in the show notes. Uh, another thing from Sci-Fi Japan, Japan. Another thing from Sci-Fi Japan is that there is a new novel. That's out right now. It's either out or it's... Yeah, it's, it's out right now. I haven't seen it yet. I look forward to checking it out. It's called Gojira, King of the Monsters. And um, I actually was just at Powell's Books the other day, and I'm kind of surprised I didn't see it. But uh, I think it's one of those like sort of uh, small press things where uh, you just... Maybe it's made to order or something. But if you if you've read it and you want to write in about it and tell me tell me how it is, I'd love to hear your thoughts. If you might be able to get it before I do. Uh, last item in the news section is that there is a new episode of the Tokyo SOS podcast, and these are the guys that I've uh, worked with a few times on uh, some of their podcasts, and it's a fun time for me every time I do it. That would be Thomas Mattis and uh, Jesse Garrett. They both run the Tokyo SOS podcast, and I was just on the show, and I think they posted it last week for uh, their sort of review of Destroy All Monsters, one of my favorite films in the Showa era, if not the entire Godzilla series. Make sure you check it out. I'll have a link in the show notes. And uh, you should just, you know, you should subscribe to their podcast. They've been improving every time. And, uh, yeah, give them a chance if you haven't already. Or if you have, if you listen to, like, their, um, if you listen to their show about the American Godzilla movie and uh, you decided that that wasn't for you, try, you know, give them another shot. They're, they're good. And uh, I might actually have them on the show here sometime as well. Uh, that pretty much wraps up all the news that I have. I do have my local stuff, too, that I want to say, uh, I want to talk about. If you're a local person here in the Portland area, there's some really awesome things happening. On November 30th, Things from Another World and PDX Browncoats, uh, who are the Serenity Firefly guys that put, uh, they put on Can't Stop the Serenity here every year, they are going to be working together to raise not raise money, they're uh, collecting food for the, I think the Oregon Food Bank at the Hollywood Theater on November 30th. They're going to show, um, what's it called? It's called Out Objects from Space, which is I think the last episode of Firefly, a really good one. And they're going to show it on the screen, the big screen there. And I think they're going to have a QA with a uh, questions and answer system uh, session with Zach Whedon. 
And then right after that, across the street at the Hollywood Things from Another World, which is a really cool comic shop in town, they're going to have Zach Whedon and um, Chris Samney, who's a now he's a local artist, but he, he did uh, a new comic for Dark Horse called A Shepherd's Tale. Both of those guys worked on that, and it's a really fantastic book. You can get that signed, you know, chat them up a little bit and, you know, hang out in a really cool comic shop. I know I'll be there. I know uh, my team, my normal team for Geek Trivia will be there because there won't be Geek Trivia that night. Friday, December 3rd, Court and Fatboy present The Faces of Meh, which is going to be a live sort of show where they they normally do their podcast in a studio, but they're doing it live with not only themselves, but all of their normal guests, which would be Aaron Duran and David Walker and Courtney Hommeister and Byron Beck and Mike Russell. Go check them out, courtandfatboy.com. And uh, make sure you go to the Baghdad Theater to see Faces of Meh, but don't just go there for that. Stay for Black Santa's Revenge, which is David Walker's Christmas-themed grindhouse kind of movie that I'm looking forward to seeing. And then they're going to be showing Scrooged. So there's a huge mega event there at the Baghdad Theater for only three bucks. Uh, you got to be 21 and over, but that's uh, nothing new if you're living in Portland. Let's follow that up with December 5th. PDX Browncoats have worked with the Trillium Charter School uh, in North Portland on North Interstate Avenue to present the Geek the Halls Craft Fair. I talked about this a little bit last month, I think. But you should definitely check it out. If you like craft fairs, if you like buying people handmade stuff, that's your event right there. And last but not least, I have to talk about the Portland Geek Council of Commerce and Culture, the PGC3, which is a group I am part of. This is a part of the reason I'm talking about all these awesome things happening here in the Portland area. We're putting on like a basically a holiday party. And it's called Geeky Wonderland. It's going to be happening at the Someday Lounge in downtown Portland on December 10th. It's going to be totally free to get in. But you're going to have a whole bunch of people from the PGC3 there. We're going to have some performances by some people. And there's going to be food and drink. It's just going to be really, really fun. So I'll have links to all of those events in the show notes. Probably have a few things posted on my website like I did this last month for some uh, local events. Uh, and, you know, if you see me out there, I'll probably be wearing some sort of Godzilla-related merchandise. Come say hi to me. I'd like to say to meet anybody who listens to the show and say hi. Uh, that's going to pretty much do it for the show this month. Um, I got to say, you know, sorry there's no IDW interview, but uh, we are going to do that. It's uh, totally going to happen. Thanks, uh, thanks again for getting those questions in, and uh, I promise uh, we'll be talking to them very, very soon. Thank you to those that wrote in both for the homework and for the questions for IDW. Uh, thanks to Martin and Jeff and Dave for hanging out and watching Gamera 2. Don't forget the next month's homework is the uh, 1966 Gamera versus Barugan, a film that I look forward to watching. So because I'm actually going to be out of town during my normal show recording time, I'm going to be spending Christmas with the folks. We're going to be uh, making the homework due date a little bit earlier. So make sure you get your thoughts, questions, and reviews to me by mid-December. Sometime around the 17th should be fine. And I will include those in December's show. 
Um, don't forget, uh, you can go to kaijucast.com if you happen to find this podcast through iTunes or some other podcast directory. That way you can read the articles I've written, uh, get download every episode we have, vote in the polls, etc., etc. Um, we're also on Facebook, which would be facebook.com slash kaijucast. We're also on Twitter, same kind of thing, twitter.com slash kaijucast. Um, it's you know not necessary for anybody to follow those, but uh, if you are a fan of the Kaiju Cast, make sure and you have a Facebook account, make sure you check that stuff because that's where I do a lot of chit chat in between episodes. Uh, and speaking of chit chat on those, I'm uh, I will be posting these on the website and talking about them, announcing them in an, in an episode upcoming, uh, but. We are going to be having some contests here. There are going to be some pretty cool contests with some pretty cool prizes supplied by some pretty cool sponsors. So keep your eye on those social networking sites. When sending in his homework, Robert asked if I had any Christmas music, Godzilla Christmas music, to get the listeners ready for December. Fortunately for everyone, I only have one song. And uh, since I played it last year, I won't actually be playing that this year it's it's really terrible it's a spine shuddering audio train wreck if i must say Uh, it starts out with like a mariachi style band and features what i can only assume is a japanese man trying to sing like a japanese kid it's gross but uh instead the last track i want to leave you guys with was brought to my attention by listener who goes by the name of tito it's not a conventional ifukube or a Sato, or even a Koatani track, I will warn you that it may in fact melt your mind. So exercise caution, true believers. It's simply called Mothra Metal. We'll see you next month. Jamata. <laughs>
Don't 